20. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, Decap, De, in that place, <laughs> how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Lord, I thank you for the Holy Scripture. I thank you for the accounts that you give us in the Scripture. I thank you that just as you set this man free, Lord, you have set us free. Lord, I thank you that the same power, the same blood that set this demoniac free, God, it still exists today, and it will set us free. Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, I pray in these next few moments as we look deeper into, your, uh, into the Holy Scripture, God, that you, you will illuminate it to our minds, that you will change us, that you will make us more like you. I thank you for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We've been talking for the past few weeks about the early church, about the book of Acts church, about the Acts 2 church. The past two weeks, um, we have preached on worship and praise and worship. And I would encourage you, if you were not here last week, to listen, um, and Oliver agrees, to listen to the podcast from last week. It was very good. Uh, Pastor Walker did a good breakdown on the difference between praise and worship and, and what it means. Listen to that. Get an idea about it. Uh, one of my favorite things that he said was about one of the words for worship is the same word we get the word therapy from. When we worship, and I'm not re-preaching his sermon, but I, probably some of you weren't here. When we worship God, there's something therapeutic about it. It soothes us. And God knows this, and that's why he tells us to worship him. God doesn't tell us to worship because he's some egomaniac that needs worship. He knows the benefits that it has on us. And so I encourage you to go back and, and listen to that. Um, but we've been looking at the early church, and I believe that as the church began at the day of Pentecost, they were led by the Spirit into a specific way of having church. And I believe that that's a model for us. And as we project into 2020, I believe that we should try to pattern ourselves after that. And so I have it here, um, Acts 2, 42 through 47. I'm going to read to us. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. I know we've read this the last couple of weeks, but I'm going to keep, keep reading it until we get it into our heads. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, signs and wonders, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and I know everybody gets nervous when that part of the scripture is read. And they shared money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So today I'm going to hone in and I'm going to zero in on fellowship. Um, what is fellowship? The dictionary tells us that it's a friendly association, especially with people who share one's interest. 
Biblical fellowship is defined as coming together with other people, other believers, and where there is an interchange of encouragement. I lift you up, you lift me up. We come together, we fellowship, we lift each other up. Fellowship isn't just so that we can have somebody to listen to our boring stories or somebody to talk to. Where It, it, it is that. It is, that is part of it. Somebody to hear us so that we can be heard, so that we can be known. But fellowship plays a part, according to Scripture, in our sanctification. What is sanctification? Sanctification is the transformation of you into a Jesus lookalike. That's, that's layman's terms of what I think sanctification is. Salvation can be described this way. When your sins are forgiven, when you begin to follow Jesus. Sanctification, uh, and there are some people that believe that sanctification and salvation happen at the same time. I'm one of those that believes that salvation happens and then sanctification is a process. That we are constantly being sanctified. We're constantly being purified. When you send, when St. Joe Waste Management receives um, the waste from the sewer system, you have primary treatment, you have secondary treatment, you have tertiary treatment. It doesn't all happen in the first treatment. And you don't get sanctified by going to church one time. You don't get sanctified by reading the Bible one time. You don't get sanctified by fellowshipping one time. It's constant. You are constantly being changed. The person you are today should be different than the person you were five years ago. Well, you don't understand. I've just got a bad temper. And the older I get, the worse it gets. Well, get saved. Get to know Jesus. We should be constantly changing. We should be constantly being sanctified, purified. What is the basis for this? First John. So my first point is that fellowship plays a role in your sanctification. Fellowship plays a role in your purification. First John, uh, I'm going to be reading the whole chapter. I believe I sent it um, back there so we should have it. Um, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, we have seen with our own eyes. John is talking about Jesus here. <clears throat> which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and has appeared to us. Again, speaking of Jesus. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Christ his son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. I want to focus in on 
uh, 7 through 8, 1 John 7 through 8. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. It doesn't say forgives us. I believe that we're already forgiven once you know, we begin this walk with Jesus, once we ask for forgiveness of sins, once we uh, start down the Romans road, once we ask Jesus in our heart, all those things. Once we start the relationship with Jesus, once we say, yes, I'm going to be a follower of Jesus, and we ask for forgiveness, we're forgiven. But the purification comes through the fellowship with one another, and then somehow through that, the blood of Jesus purifies us. Our fellowship with one another plays a role. I don't do anything to purify you from your sin. The blood of Jesus does that. But our fellowship, and I, I was going to use the word magical, but that's not right. It's a kingdom thing. It's a kingdom thing, the kingdom of God. As we fellowship one with another in the light of the gospel, in the light of Jesus, that somehow propels uh, your purification and my purification. Our fellowship with one another changes us to be more like Jesus. If we meet together as under the heading of Jesus, if we meet together in Jesus' name, our fellowship purifies us. Now, we can get together and go bowling, or we could do something like that, and that's probably not going to purify us. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with bowling or whatever. I'm just saying. But when we meet together in the name of the Lord, in the name of Jesus, that propels and helps our purification. Fellowship can help purify you. There's, there's something that happens when I walk in the light of Jesus and fellowship with you. There's something that happens to me when you walk in the light of Jesus and you fellowship with me. There is something that happens. We move a little bit closer. We transform a little bit more. When we hang out together and we talk about the goodness of God, the greatness of God, we share uh, what's on our heart with one another, we share with one another, something happens. We're purified. Again, I know I've already said it, but it's not an overnight thing. I believe that the purification, the sanctification happens over time. Well, how do you know? Well, because I'm still not perfect. I know that's hard for most of you to believe, especially my wife. But it takes time to become a Jesus lookalike. Takes time to become a Jesus clone. That's what we should be after. Who's your favorite biblical character? Who do you want to be like? Samson. I want to beat people. I want to kill a thousand people. No, you should want to be like Jesus. I want to be tough and mean. No. Jesus should be the example. Jesus is who we should be trying to look like. Jesus is who we should be modeling our life after. And that will happen. We will become more purified as we fellowship together. I know fellowship isn't a very cool word. What are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm going to go fellowship with some bros. <laughs> so we can use different words. You can chill or you can hang or whatever you want to say. You don't have to use the word fellowship. It's not cool in the 21st century, but there's something that happens when we get together in the name of Jesus that can't help happen any other way, that won't happen any other way. There is something that happens that will not happen any other way than for us to get together in the name of Jesus, the fellowship.
one with another. <clears throat> there is <laughs> getting together is powerful. Why does, why does Narcotics Anonymous meet here three times a week? Because they understand that there is power in fellowship. There's power in commonality and fellowship. There is a staying power. There's a transformation, trans, hmm, transforming power. I was say, I need, I need an English major to help me with what I'm trying to say. There's power in fellowship. There's power in community. There is power there. There is power for me to change by hanging out with you in the name of Christ. Amen. Your purification and sanctification is in your brother or sister. It's true. There are no lone wolf questions. <laughs> oh boy. There are no lone wolf Christians. That's, right. That's, right. That's not how God designed us. It is not, God said, when God was done with all of creation, he said everything was good except for one thing. He said it is not good for a man to be alone. That's right. That's right. Everything was good but one thing. Being alone is not good. Being lonely is not good. There should be nobody in this church that suffers from that. We are a community. We are brothers and sisters. And as we begin to model the Acts 2 church, I hope, my hope and my prayer is that in each other we will find sanctification. In each other we will find purification. And we will be lifted up. It's not how the Spirit led the church. It's for you to do your Christian thing on your own. It's not. We need the community of believers. That's how the Spirit led the church. How are we going to shake off the things of this world? How am I going to shake some of the bad habits that I have? How are we going to shake the things of the world? By the blood of Jesus Christ in fellowship with other believers. That's how you're going to be transformed. By the blood of Jesus Christ in community, in fellowship with other believers. That's how we can change into his image. Because we all need to. Yes. You be honest with yourself. You know that there's things in, about yourself that could be better. Mm -hmm. All of us. All of us have things where we're not Christ-like, where we need to change. All right, so the first thing is fellowship plays a, an important role in your purification or sanctification. Fellowship also plays a role... Um, in your healing. Not just physical healing, but internal healing. We're all wounded. Nobody gets to the age most of us are at without being wounded. Right? Most of us have been hurt by people. I've said it before, most of us have hurt people. We all need healing. James 5, 13 through 16. Is anyone among you in trouble? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? 
Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil. Why do we come forward and pray? Because we're told to do it. It's not something we came up with. So you know what we should have people do? We should have people come up and try to embarrass them. And then we'll lay our hands on them. Oh, that'll really be a weird amount. And then we'll pray for them. No. We do it because that's what the scripture says. We call upon the name of the Lord and we beseech and we ask and we seek and we knock and God shows up. Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your faults to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The whole picture that James is painting here is one of a community. Is there any among you that is sick? It's a community. He's talking to a community. And he says, and there's a lot of great stuff in there. I'm going to focus in on confess your faults to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's something unlocked in the kingdom of God when I humble myself and confess my faults to you. When I humble myself and I make myself vulnerable and I confess my faults to you, if I can trust you enough, if we fellowship enough and I can trust you enough to tell you my faults, I mean, most of you know them anyway. But if I can trust you enough to tell you my faults, that will bring healing to me. About two years ago, it was probably not quite been two years, it'll, probably be two, it'll be two years this May, I was driving back from Kansas City with uh, Walker and with Bo. And I saw this as a great opportunity to give some of my knowledge and my wisdom <laughs> to these young men. And I talked to Bo and I talked to Walker and we talked for the whole drive back. And then we pulled over and we talked and we talked and we talked. And I started telling my faults to those boys. And I started opening myself up and being vulnerable and, 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 and confessing to them. And I thought I was doing them a favor by telling them, okay, fellas, these are things you need to look out for. You're young, you know. And I, what, what I found happened was that I was healed. I found that I was healed. As I began to open up myself and, and, and was vulnerable with, with, with Bo and with Walker and, and just let myself trust them, which is hard to do. Why? Why is it so hard to trust people in church? Because we tell people our faults and then they tell somebody else. Let me give you a warning. If somebody comes to you and confesses a fault to you, that's holy. Yes, it is. It is. That's sacred. Mm-hmm. That is a holy thing that is not to be dealt with carelessly. If somebody comes to you and, and trusts you enough and opens up to you enough to share a fault with you, that's God working in them. And you are going to bring about their healing. You can either do great damage or you can bring great healing. So as we are in 2020, River Church, as, as we want to, to branch out into community with one another, 
I give you that warning to treat those things as holy. When people communicate with you and when they open up and when they're vulnerable with you, that's a gift from God. Treat it like it. And you can either bring healing or you can bring pain. You can either uh, build their faith in people or you can crush it. You can crush their faith in church. God will still speak to them. Chris Green likes to say it this way. God will still work on people, but the way you treat them determines the work he has to do in them. As we open up ourselves and as we're vulnerable and as we share our faults, most, a lot of us, we're, not, we're never healed from, from emotional things or things that happen to us because we bottle them up. And like I said, we do it for the right reasons. We've come by it honestly because we have seen gossip. We have seen tail-bearing. But our healing lies. Your healing lies in your brother and in your sister. God has designed it as such. It's not good for man to be alone. God has created us for him, yes, but for each other. Amen. Look around this room right now. Just take a quick glance. Turn your head. If, you're, if you have a good back and you don't have nerve damage. Inside of these people is your purification through the blood of Christ, of course. I'm, again, don't mishear me. Don't mishear what I'm saying. But locked in each and every one of us is our purification and our healing. And we can unlock that in each other by being there for each other. By just being present to one another, we can unlock those things in each other through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice. Amen. It's not even 11 o'clock and I'm actually getting close to being done. What is going on? God's, God's healing, healing you, will come through someone else. Most of the time. Most of the time. Now, there are times when we lay hands on the sick and God, God does everything. We have to be obedient, right? We have to actually do it. We have to be obedient and, and follow through. But most of the healing of God comes through each other. God's created us for each other. Back to Mark 5, 18 through 20. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus, get me out of here. Jesus, get me out of here. You saved me. You set me free. Oh, just take me out of this dark world. Just take me home. Just come. Come get me out of here. Let me escape. But Jesus did not let him. He said, go home to your own people. Tell them what God has done for you. Jesus reaches down and he sets us free. And he turns us back to each other. Amen. Jesus didn't let him escape because he, knew he had a work for him to do. And that work was in the lives of others. The work that Jesus has for you. And I know, I've known lots of Christians who 
They can't wait to get out of here. God, get me out of here. Get me out of this old sin sick world. I'm so tired of my job. I'm tired of my kids. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. God, get me out of here. And God says, no. Turn around. Go back to the people that I've called you to. I've got a work for you to do in them. He's sending us to each other. He returns him to his community because he knew that they needed to hear his testimony. And he knew that him sharing his testimony would bring healing to him. This man had been delivered, but there was still work to be done inside of him. And it came through him confessing his faults to others. And that's what God is asking of us. As we fellowship one with another, this community around us will see that. And they'll say, I want to be part of that. I, I saw a tweet yesterday. Anybody here on Twitter? Nobody wants to admit it. I don't blame you. The worst of humanity is available on Twitter. There's a lot of 49ers fans right now on Twitter that keep showing up in my news feed. I keep having to rebuke them. <laughs> oh, that's true. <clears throat> but I saw this tweet yesterday, and I, I think I sent it to Walker. This guy's name is Josiah Robinson. I don't follow him, but somebody I follow liked his tweet. And then, as you know, if you're on Twitter, <laughs> it shows up in your feed. And here's what this guy said. He said, my Uber driver in L.A. is a Buddhist. He's been to Christian churches a few times. He didn't mention the music, the preaching, or the programs. Instead, he was struck by how welcoming everyone was and how they supported each other with work and finances. What is going to reach our community, yes, I've said this before, I believe our music is second to none. I mean, that band today was, I don't know, what's a cool word, kids? Lit, thank you. That band was lit. I guess, does that mean on fire? Is that what that means? That's a new way of saying on fire. And I was going to say, when, when Pastor Walker preaches, our preaching is second to none. I won't say. <laughs> I'm self-aware enough to know that <laughs> this isn't second to none. <laughs> but what's going what's gonna to astonish our community, what's going to attract our community is when they walk in here and they're welcomed with open arms. And when they see how much we care about each other. And how much we love one another. And how that when you're hurting or you're worried and you're upset, that I'm worried, I'm hurting, I'm upset. And when I'm worried and I'm hurting and I'm upset, then you're worried. And you're hurting and you're upset. And they're going to be fascinated by that. And we can't do that on our own. We ha it's through the love of Christ. The love Christ has put in us. But I believe this church is building that foundation. Amen. I believe we're building that foundation. And, and the connect groups that we're... Uh, kicking off and we're starting off where we were wanting to build on that foundation. 
So get involved. I know Brother Derek was talking about the Couples Connect group. And if, and if, you, if your number wasn't on that, <clears throat> um, if, if you hadn't turned in your phone number, if you, you want to be part of that, if you haven't been part of a Connect group yet, if you haven't got, um, been contacted yet or you haven't uh, responded yet, uh, Pastor Walker and Weber are going to be at the table in the back today. Get, get signed up. Get connected. Inside of each and every one of us is our sanctification. Again, through the blood of Jesus. Don't, don't think I'm preaching some new, some new crazy thing here. This is Acts 2 stuff that I'm talking about. This is the second chapter of Acts stuff. That they met together. That their needs were each other's needs. That they loved one another. And inside, inside of your brothers and sisters are your purification and sanctification. And inside your brothers and sisters are the healing for your soul. That comes through opening up and receiving from Jesus, yes. But being poured into by brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. Amen. By this they shall know that you are my disciples. By your love for one another. By this they will know. One of the last things Jesus says to his disciples before he goes to his passion and finishes his work is this is how they're going to know. Now by your bumper sticker that says Jesus is my co-pilot. Not by uh, your Twitter bio that says Jesus lover or not by your Facebook that you shared your scripture of the day. And that's fine. Share your scripture of the day. I'm not saying don't. But that's not how the world's going to know. That's not going to be the proof. Because people can see through phony. Here's how they're going to know. They're going to see the love I have for you. They're going to see the love you have for me, the love we have for each other. And they're going to say, that's undeniable. Something's different there. They love each other. And that's my dream for the River Church. Is that we will fellowship with one another. That we will be devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. It didn't say one above the other. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Yes, without the apostles' teaching, fellowship is just an organization, just a whatever. We've got to start with Jesus. But then when we add to it our devotion to fellowship. So I encourage you today to get get involved, Get, get, get with one of the connect groups. Stop by the table, get connected. So that we, you can get on with your, uh, with your sanctification and with your healing. I don't know about you, I got some sanctifying to do. I, got, I need to be transformed. I'm being honest with you. I've not arrived. Like Paul said, I haven't attained. I'm still striving. I'm still trying. But I haven't arrived. If the Paul, Apostle Paul hadn't arrived, what do you think about this chubby fella? We are all striving, and we can help one another. The key to you being a better believer, a better follower of Jesus, is in the blood of Jesus, and then inside your neighbor. Amen. Amen. Amen.